1: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hello, you're listening to Are You Having a Draft? My name is Bradley James, Marcus Ellard on the way. This is part two of a two-part episode, Game Week 15. If you're wondering, hang on a minute, where was part one? It's probably in your podcasts waiting for you or perhaps you like things out of context, then part two is for you. So without further ado, here is part two.
3: The next question
2: we asked them was a sliding doors question, Marcus. Um. What change would they make to their season if they could go back? Either a trade or a draft or anything, transfer, transfer, what would they change? What would they make different about their season? Only one thing. I would personally have got a list as long as my arm. But <laughs> we shall start off again. Let's start off with a safe pair of hands and go with Andy O'Neill.
4: I held on to Deadwood for too long at the start of the season. I wish I'd have followed Yare's mantra of get it launched, but I didn't. I persevered. People like John Stones, Rudiger, Vertonghen that have been in and out of the team. I've hoped that they would come good. And only in recent times that I thought, let's shuffle the deck and get rid of some of this dead wood. I'd rather have someone who's playing most weeks than someone who might be good later in the season.
2: Andy sounds like he's reading his, from his biography.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
5: He oh, it, it had a certain ring to it, didn't it? I was trying to work out what it was, and I think, that, I think that's it. He
2: sat in a bookstore... He's about to do a signing. Those are people kind of see him read an excerpt, and he's about to do a signing. And there, he's reading a chapter to get everybody enticed to reading Andy O'Neill: A Safe Pair of Hands.
5: (laughs) That's all (laughs) you need to say. We're done. That's brilliant. (laughs) Quite no, quite good again from Andy. Safe pair of hands. Very well said. And it's interesting that thing he says. I'd rather have someone that's probably going who's playing every week than might might play some weeks and get some points.
2: I think Andy fell into the trap of seeing the shirts that players were wearing and going, oh, I'll pick them up because they play for, in this instance, Man City, Chelsea, Tottenham. So he's drafted Stones, Rudiger and Vertonghen. Rudiger's the one where he couldn't
5: have foreseen the injury that he's... Yeah. The length of injury that Rudiger had. And he couldn't also
6: have foreseen Chelsea defence being as...
2: just being as porous as it, it has been. Vertonghen at Tottenham, again... All sorts going on in that club this season, so it's difficult to foresee that. But, as I say, I think he's been drawn in by the shirt that they wear not the player themselves. Just, you know, filling up those extra kind of defender spots. Sometimes that works, but Andy's obviously had a bit of trouble with it this year. Again, shooting at the table at the moment, though.
5: Towards the other end, and a more, let's how the word put it, a more succinct answer, Jonathan Wolfe. Answer to question
7: number two. I would not change anything.
5: That's it. There you go. Hey look, it's Jonathan Wolf. What can you say? You can't t- you can't take you can take a horse to water. Can't make him drink. It's a game of two halves.
2: You can put a lead on a wolf, but you can't take it for a walk. <laughs> no, you
5: he he's that dog you see in the park sitting down. You know that <laughs> 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 You yeah, know this that. <laughs> that's that. Come on. Wolf, come on, Wolf. Wolfie, come on. No he's Sits there, fucking sitting down, and then the owner, <laughs> then the owner unhooks him and thinks, you know what? I'll walk right, He'll definitely follow me. And the the dog sits there whilst the owner does a whole lap of the park until he gets back to the dog, and then the dog like joins him on the way home. That's Wolf.
2: And the dog gets home and thinks to himself, "Ah, oh, good. I took the human for a walk. <laughs> yeah. so job
5: done. Job done." So Wolf genuinely reckons he wouldn't change anything.
2: Should we just ask Wolf? To do this again, I mean,
5: not Well, that's, <laughs> when he comes, when he comes on, because we're having him on in a couple of weeks, aren't we? I think.
2: Yeah.
6: So when
5: we, when he comes on, we'll interrogate, we'll get out the get get out the the chair, wrap it wrap wrap some sellotape around him, shine a light in his face, and tell him to answer the questions before he goes home.
2: Should we send him to media training first or something? Because no, it's be gonna a wa- be a pretty it, short episode.
5: <laughs> be a waste of money, mate. Waste of money. So, moving oh. on. Bradley's face. Right. moving on to moving on to moving on to, to, to Meds because everyone loves Meds so here we go here's Meds'
3: answer to
5: question two
3: what would I change I would change I would probably get maybe a Leicester player seeing as how they are and I well I did have Laporte from Man City and he got injured so I think yeah just pick somebody that didn't get injured would have helped me slightly And Fabianski's let me down a bit with his injuries. So, yeah, maybe get a better keeper.
5: Very good analysis from from meds, I think, there.
2: Interesting. I feel the injury ones, I can speak from experience, it's almost stuff that's out of your hands to a degree. You could argue that there are certain players who are more injury-prone than others. I would maybe focus on that idea of meds talking about Leicester players. Because at the start of the season, the value of Leicester players, if you looked at the whole of the previous season, was not going to be as high as if you just looked at the Brendan Rodgers tenure. And I think because of that, there were players going under the radar a little bit that were worth more than they were going for. And Meds is probably Meds is alluding to that, I feel. And we're, we've all become aware of it this season because Leicester have been something of a surprise package in that regard not that people didn't think they would do well but tussling well, for second place
5: that's this this very good it's very good <laughs> i think as well but pe- like if, if if people like said
2: to you at the start of the season do you think Leicester will get Champions League football i think you might have been like we could i don't think you would be like we will
5: i think i would yeah i would have said like we could and i'd love it i'd love it i'd love it if we did but <laughs> i don't but i don't think i'd have been like yeah Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't have been that. Yeah, Yeah, of course we will. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. Obviously, mate, yeah. Yes. Johnny, do you think Villa are shit? He'll probably give a longer answer to that question. He'll give a longer answer to a yes or no question on, Johnny, do you think Villa are shit, than any of these questions?
2: Is it any wonder why I... Use provoking language on him.
5: On the WhatsApp group?
2: On anything. Because otherwise, you do not get a response. You get, if you ask him a nice question, he's like, ooh, here's my chance to be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, he can't help himself. So, unless you're there just poking him. You're just going to get these crap answers. <laughs> Whereas when you actually like prod him, make him react, he actually gives you something.
5: Well, let's see in a couple of weeks. Because we keep talking about flipping Johnny Wolf here, right? <laughs> so you, you sent me about a thousand messages, all from Dutch, presumably still at the West Ham match. I
2: think Dutch is riding a wave of bubbles because these have all come through in little pops.
5: Mate, what? Well, <laughs> I like you, didn't there. One of them's three and a
8: half minutes long. Ooh. I don't think Sobei has. Even got me a point so far this season, so definitely, uh, yeah, not the best trade I've ever done. The teams are starting to come back out. Virgil Van Dijk is currently getting me a clean sheet in a double game week, but I believe Fornells might be coming on to score a hat trick and take away Liverpool's unbeaten run.
2: And we all know how that turned
8: out. (laughs) Not very well.
2: That's called Hammer's halftime optimism.
8: (laughs) My plan for the rest of the season is to micromanage and manage the shit out of my team. (laughs) The teams are starting to come back out. Virgil van Dijk is (laughs) currently getting me a clean sheet in a double game week. Just leaving the game off the back of a 2-0 defeat to a pretty formidable Liverpool team. But the silver lining that is the draft is my captain has kept a clean sheet in a double game week. West Ham and draft till I die.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, in in the midst of that Hammers experience that he was having, we got a little word from him on Ceballos, who was a player he traded with Andy and he picked up Giroud, who he since dropped anyway, and a A handful of other players went in both directions. Andy took on board Jesus. He got rid of Ceballos. And Andy effectively turned Giroud into Sergio Aguero.
5: (laughs) And also, latterly in the season, he's also turned Sergio Aguero into Sergio Aguero. Into Sergio (laughs) (laughs) Aguero.
1: Moving on to RA.
5: The Cerebral Assassin.
1: And question two. Um, what would I change? Um, I think I answered that in question one. Um, I hate having regrets because I see that as a sign of weakness when you have regrets. But if you want to force me into a change, it's just um, the moves I made at the start of the season just on draft night. I made both mental and physical notes about what was done that night and I can guarantee (laughs) you that will not happen again. Cerebral Assassin will not be making those mistakes again simple
5: as he's turning into an Attitude Era wrestler giving a post-match <laughs> interview or a pre it's the pre-match interview to JR you know when they're like in the back <laughs> they're in the back and then they're like it's, it's it's that he's got the cerebral he's got talking to himself third person he's shouting he's using his catchphrases what's his costume what's the RA's costume he's well,
2: gonna be purple
5: Mate, he'd be just he'd be like purple pants purple knee pads and, like, purple boots with, like, a gold flash on them.
2: His costume's got to be, like, base level or a base layer would be, you know, the Phantom's purple latex all onesie sort of situation.
5: But
2: <laughs> yeah. Yare's version has definitely got like a cape.
5: Definitely got a cape on. It's
2: definitely got, like, a big brain on the chest <laughs> Yeah. with a knife through it.
5: <laughs> and, you know, when he co- and when he comes down, when he comes down and he's in the ring, he's always the second one down, always the second one down. And what he'll do, he gets into the ring and he stands there, gives it some big pose in the middle of the ring. Some people are booing, some people are cheering and he does this really fancy cape flick. He takes his cape off <laughs> and swings it round his head and like throws it to, over the opponent's head or something before the match just to put them off.
2: Again, making physical and mental notes.
5: Good. Oh, he's online. I've just gone into... He's online. No, we're we're not on messaging. Okay. so we had the RA. And now back to Pete Everall.
6: Spending 15 uh, auction points on transfer pick number one and ending up with uh, Moist Keen was a bit of a regret. But uh, hopefully it will come good second half of the season.
2: I think we're going to see a theme here, Marcus. And that theme is Everton players. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They have been a significant disappointment to anyone involved with them. I speak from the experience of Fabian Delph, which is annoying because I've always had an issue with Fabian Delph being in the England squad. It doesn't make any sense. He shouldn't be in that squad. And he spent years just being a bench warmer at Man City and playing League Cup games. I thought, because of this positioning that he'd been given on the website as a defender, I thought, well, just by default, he'll pick up points from clean sheets whilst maybe getting the odd assist because he's playing it further up the field. But no, he has been Fabian Delph. <laughs> Lovely bloke. Always comes across as a lovely bloke. But my word, is it frustrating pinning your hopes on him? And I'll take some of the heat off of Fabian here. I think it's Everton players in general this season have been very disappointing. I'd like to know what their fans think about their season.
5: Another question for Andy later on in the series.
6: So this is another one from Pete. One player who I don't regret being outbid for on draft night is Sigurdsson. Uh, that ah. guy has not been seen since. One person I thought I'd regret missing out on, and uh, I think uh, a few others uh, thought I'd miss, uh, regret missing out on him too, was... Uh, would... <laughs>
5: Fucking hell.
6: Who was it? <laughs> Tinkering during the season isn't my greatest uh, strength, and so I haven't made it my strategy over the years. Um, so things I would change would be actually uh, regressing, not keeping to my strategy. Um from uh, transfer or draft nights, I uh, have lost uh, my comrades, Joe Gomez, Willian, and Lewis Dunk, and uh, yeah, regret, regret doing that because um, I think uh, I'm uh, points-wise worse off without it and, and possibly would be in, in third if I'd kept, uh, kept my complete uh, draft night team.
5: So he wishes he'd kept to the algorithm then? I
2: have mixed feelings on this, Marcus. Pete, of all the drafters, is someone who has done well when he's relied heavily on his draft, on his team from draft night. And then he's mentioned some players there who have had spells where they've done well, but they've also had patches where they've then not done so well. And I just feel like the spells that have done, the good spells that those players have had, have stuck in his mind. And he's thinking about those points that he's missed out there. But what he hasn't taken into account is that he is currently in fifth because he's he's made changes and brought certain players in who have also done well now joe gomez was injured for a chunk of the season, then and then couldn't get in the team for a while. Dunk hasn't kept a clean sheet in a long time. Willian had a little hot minute where he was doing a lot, but has gone off the boil recently. And I don't think he actually would be as high as he is if he hadn't made some of the changes. So I'm not so sure I agree with him on that portion of what he's saying.
5: He just loves his algorithm, doesn't he, though?
2: He would have loved for his algorithm to have just shot him mm. up the table. Mind you, even his algorithm didn't say he was going to finish top, did it? I think it said he was going to finish third or something like that. So I'm not sure I agree with him, but what I do agree with him on is <laughs> he has every right to have faith in his draft team, and usually he sticks to that. However, one year when he did do that, he did end up with a wooden spoon. So similar to Yare in some way, it will either work very well or it will go to the extreme at the other end.
7: Matthew Brummett. I think the one change um, that I'd definitely
8: make um, is just to not drink as much on draft night. That was definitely a bad mistake. That's it, that's it. The one change.
5: From it, wouldn't get shit. From it wouldn't get shit. And he's the, he's the funny one because he's always talking about how much I drink on draft night. And he's just admitted it. But there you go. <laughs>
2: The one change is that he wouldn't have as much fun on draft day. Right. I think this is a bit of a worry, Marcus. What's that, mate? Well, we don't want people to be taking things too seriously on draft day. That they don't just relax a bit.
5: Hey, I think when we, I think, I think when you designed kits and we bought a podcast out, I think that's when it got serious. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel like serious. I feel like we've gone over the precipice of serious now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's got anything to do with it. Party on, dude. Nick
2: has a beer. And a few. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Here. Top of the table.
5: Yeah, exactly. It's nonsense. Making up excuses now. Talking of Nick. Press conference, hairbrushes. Nick, what would you change about your draft team?
9: What change would you make to your season if you could? Trade offer, draft move. Oh, Okay, so um, the change I would make uh, is two decisions that I reflect upon quite often. And it causes me some trouble and distress, as we know, Sigerson has done pretty pony uh, over this <laughs> period of time. In line, I think, with Everton's form, um, and they may improve under Angelotti, but I think Sigerson is pretty much written off this season as uh, one he's going to not want to remember, um, unless they have a he has a. A bit of a moment in the sort of latter half of the season, but let's see. The other decision that haunts me is um, this obsession I seem to have with she- as Seamus Coleman. What? He was the first player I signed in the draft. Um, I think eight or nine points. I don't know what I was thinking. Like I say, I got a bit excited. I did have good hopes for him. Again, there's a bit of a similar theme here. It's an Everton player. I thought they were going to do really well this season. I did actually get rid of him. Um, I think roughly around game week 12, 13, and I bought in Joe Gomez from Liverpool, who was performing pretty well for me. Liverpool weren't hitting that many clean sheets, I think they got a couple. And then I was driving up north, and I remember it clearly. I thought, actually, I'm going to get Coleman back in and drop Gomez. I can't remember why I was thinking that. Um, perhaps a little bit deluded, a little bit mad. Maybe I was thinking of something blue and I had an aversion to the colour red. I don't know what, what it was, but ultimately I got rid of Gomez and I bought in Coleman. And Coleman isn't even a starter under Ancelotti. He gets rotated a lot. And Gomez is a nailed starter at the moment. And my fiercest rival, Mel, snapped him up and he has been reaping the rewards off it. So... Um, a little bit of madness from me, probably the poorest decision I've made from a transfer perspective. Um, and it might come back to haunt me. So, that probably the two things that I would regret. Wow.
5: I mean, that's, that, was, that uh, was a press conference. That was a full press conference. No more questions, no more questions. No, but, but okay. Nick, Nick Morgan, no, Nick, Nick Morgan, no more questions. <laughs> We've run out of time, we dropped off the air. Um, <laughs> I think he said it all there. Even being hard on himself at the top of the league, is like the one that he's like causes me nightmares or something. He said, or the one that will come back to haunt me. So it's
2: like Jurgen Klopp, we have not won the league yet. Yeah,
5: a good sort of winning mentality there. I think.
2: Yeah, Everton players.
5: Everton players more Everton players what's this Seamus Coleman thing I didn't know he was obsessed with Seamus Coleman
2: well he did I think nine for him at the start of the season dropped him brought him back in dropped him brought him back in and the one of the players he took out to bring him in most recently was Joe Gomez Mm. And Gomez has been clocking up the points for Melalou, so his nearest rival is benefiting where he's messed up. I gave him the precursor to Sigurdsson being bad for the rest of the season. I said, he's been taking off penalties, he's not on the pitch to take free kicks. Lucas Dignay is taking those anyway. You have got yourself a dud.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sigurdsson has indeed gone on to be useless. <laughs> <laughs> Beginner's luck, mate, is what I I'd I say. Inexperience.
5: Beg- Beginners luck for Nick Morgan. We're back with Phil Cairns' answer to question two. Um, I
10: mean, if I could change stuff, there's a few. There was a few things that I should have done differently. Um, what change would you make? I mean, I don't know. I'd get, I'd get. Um, I still think that my players will fucking smash it towards the end of the season, but it's just quite difficult, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, maybe I would have been at the draft the night and picked Long Jim, not been Barry, because. I don't know if Sharman got it, to
2: be honest. Oh dear, I don't know if Sharman got it, to be honest. I think he got it by the end. Yeah. (laughs) But unfortunately he just didn't have it. But everyone did go, he did
5: a a lot of Spanish, a lot of players have gone to Spain.
2: Again, we're listening to Phil in Outer Space. (laughs) (laughs) 27
5: hours worth of oxygen left in the supply. I just don't think the uh do I think the engineers got it really <laughs> <laughs> kind of needed a bit more oxygen. Oh, I, I wish NASA had did, you know <laughs> done a better job. Fuck the bl- fucking NASA. Um <laughs> w- and then the final one that we have is mantle. Yeah. Oh.
7: What change would you make to your season if you could? Uh, trade offer, draft move. Um, I'm pretty happy with my draft picks on draft day, to be honest with you. Um, there are a couple of things that I probably could have done. Paul Pogba... Pug- uh, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> uh, a couple of things I could have done. Paul Pogba had some interest with a trade. Um, I didn't... Uh, entertain that purely because he was apparently coming back but then obviously had an injury again. Uh, I believe Paul Pogba uh, and I still believe Paul Pogba could change my season um, I think he can even change my United season if I'm completely honest um, I probably should have um, just fished Pogba out to everybody and just see if I could get have got a better trade offer for Pogba, Paul Pogba than uh, I got at the time Um, I think I might have brought Callum Hudson-Odoi in in a bit too early. Honestly, honestly thought he was going to play a lot more than what he is doing, considering he's he's signed on his contract, etc., etc. Having said that, the last three games, he's got 15 points in three games. Um, So I'm happy with that. But that is on the back of Pulisic being injured. So hopefully he can carry on that form, keep his spot. And keep getting me some points. Also, Digne, he's, uh just not performed this season as much as I w- thought he would be. I got a trade offer for him, but I genuinely believed he was going to be like a top five defender. But he really isn't. But having said that, <coughs> Everton, it's reflected on Everton's general season, full stop. Um, apart from Clive at Lewin, which I'm very happy about.
5: Everton. Good old Cliver.
2: I don't know if that's like what he's called at Goodison Park because I suppose he vaguely resembles Patrick Cliver, Dutch superstar. <laughs> Dutch, record, or, or Dutch. Time. <laughs>
5: Close your eyes and think of Patrick Cliver. He looks like Patrick. <laughs> 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 okay. Got it. Got it.
7: My uh, draft day plan. Um, it came. It it worked out in the sense that I got two players that I didn't think would get star graded points, um, I think Kevin De Bruyne has definitely excelled this season more than I thought he would. Had he have got uh, performed as what I thought and Pogba um, performed that I thought, like I said earlier on, I think uh, I would definitely be in for a shout in a, a top two, top two, currently, even currently, let alone a finish.
5: Everton again. Everton again. Theme, and then he mentions top two finish again. Yeah, well,
2: Mantle, someone who his base rate of drafting gets him up into the upper echelons just naturally, just very naturally good at drafting. So he's always gonna perform at a certain level, and then he'll have seasons where he just gets that little extra thing right, or that's what happened when he won the league. Yeah, there's one year where he finished in the catering zone, it was a bit of an anomaly, but that aside. In fact, that might have even been the year that Leicester won the league. Yeah. So, with things kind of not going to plan, he suffered. Every other season that he's done well in, the league has more or less kind of like fallen to form. And I guess this year is a little little bit against that, as we mentioned earlier. And so, he's not in that top two bracket like he usually is, but he's still in the top four or
5: five he seemed to have the most to say about what he would change as well
2: he's in a little bit of no man's land mm. i suppose in that which is uncharted the-
5: territory for him yes, obviously
2: catering fight he's not sort of just meandering at the table he is bringing up the rear to that title challenge
5: so just before we move on to the third and final question which will be sort of a quick fire because it's an opinion round we didn't talk about what changes we'd make have we got enough Battery left on the recorder and hours in the day to hear yours, Bradley?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can actually whittle it down to one sliding doors moment because draft day was draft day. That's a different scenario in terms of preparation, what have you. The one moment I would have changed is that Andy offered me Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for Harry Kane. Uh, Just... Before New Year's Eve, yeah, uh, and New Year's Day, Harry Kane pulled his hamstring. Looks like he's out until minimum till April. Although I did see a nice little video of him stretching a rubber band uh, the <laughs> other <of> day,
5: <laughs> just <laughs> before flicking it at Delhi Alley.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, so I thought, oh, the uh, recovery's coming on well if he can do that, but. It would have been nice to have a premium quality striker in my team for the second half of the year. What also happened is that Aubameyang got sent off, so he missed three games himself straight after New Year's. So I still would have been waiting to pick up some points, but it would have been nice to have yeah. that main man. One of the reasons I didn't go for it is because I find it very difficult to rest my hopes of both the enjoyment of my team winning and my draft team winning on one player. It's a hard thing to do Because if Arsenal lose And Yang hasn't scored That means my draft team Has also done terribly And I'm just left feeling Horrendous for the weekend
5: It's double bad um, Yeah
2: Double whammy That's my sliding doors moment Kane and Yang. How about you Marcus?
5: Well I've still got loads of faith In the, the Aguero Jesus And Dave trade I think that's fine Like I'm Like that's not That's what not I think Everyone expected of me I think now, I feel like I don't have any goalkeepers. So I've been going on about...
2: I've been mean to ask you about that. Why didn't you sign Loris? I,
5: I didn't think he was available. And then when I saw that Andy signed him, I was like, you are effing kidding me. <laughs> I was like, when, I couldn't believe it. When, when he came in, I was like, huh? How has no one got, no got Loris? Why did no one have Loris?
2: because he got injured for what seemingly was the rest of his life. And it might have even been Andy who had him in the first place, but he dropped him.
5: Yeah, I should have, bring in I should have picked up on that. Whoever. When, when Alisson came back, I should have picked up on that and then popped Lloris on the bench and swapped him and Gazzaniga over. That might be an un- undoing, like I say, the minute... Oh, by fucking defenders at the beginning of the season. not Signing the wrong Sheffield United one. And not, not signing Lundström and signing... They all look the
2: same isn't it? Sheffield
5: United it's, it's the red and white stripes. That, maybe. Um, yeah. It's not that... like
2: all the other teams. All the players have their own individual
5: kits. Yeah, that. I don't know. I'm happy with Greenwood. I think he's going to start coming up. Happy with Rashford when he's back. It's all good. It's all right. It's all good. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, defenders. All right, defenders at the beginning of the season. And now I need a goalkeeper. <laughs> So, Plenty of those knocking about, mate. The third and final question is a bit of a quickfire one. We asked the drafters their thoughts on the potential of a legacy league.
2: Oh, the legacy
9: league. Okay, final question. What are your thoughts on the legacy league? Well, very interesting. I guess that would represent a fairly big change in terms of draft day. Um, I've only attended one draft day. Lots of fun. Quite intense. And I think this added dynamic would really get people thinking in terms of long-term <laughs> strategy and probably split the amateurs from the professionals in <gasps> terms of people knowing who Ooh. the right players are to pick up. Um, and probably the people who do the research will benefit from this this potential rule change. So I think for me, if I was to be invited back to the draft, I don't know if that's a given or not, but if I was to be in- invited back to the draft, I'd love to come back. I think this would benefit me from a personal perspective because like I said I put in the work I do my research I know my players and uh, I think I find a few diamonds in the rough that would benefit me in the future but I guess it is interesting added dynamic where there'll be lots of unknowns and you could be investing in a 19 year old that's going to do absolutely nothing for you that season and then two three years down the line he could be a heavy hitter with a 200 plus point so it get people thinking and I think I think it'd be a great addition to, to the league, so I'd be fully supportive of it. And I would crack on if I was you, Bradley. So that's it. That's uh my three questions. This is Nick Morgan from Supermarket Sweepers. I look forward to any additional questions that might come my way. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks very much. Cheerio.
5: Brilliant interview. He
2: knows which
1: side is red button as well. He does. <laughs> I like the sound of the Legacy League. It's interesting. Problem is, uh, for me, uh, my footballing knowledge is much more short-term. So I think, other than holding on to the couple of youngsters that I can think of, many of the people that i would be picking are the people that are in current form. But then it, I guess it depends on the kind of game people are wanting to play. I'm, I'm not the guy who's wandering around all the minor league clubs on a Sunday wearing a cagoule with a thermos flask and uh, scrolling little notes on a notebook like um, <coughs> Yare. Anyway, that's my uh, tuppence Rib
5: shot to Yare. A little dig. A
3: little dig. <laughs> uh, Just
8: leaving the game off the back of a 2-0 defeat to a pretty formidable Liverpool team. Um, but the silver lining that is the draft is my captain has kept a clean sheet in a double game week. West Ham and draft, kill or die. With regards to the Legacy League, I think it's a, a nice little spin on the draft. Keeps things fresh, um, puts another dimension onto it and seems like a very interesting prospect. A um, lot of research to do, um, but you're invested in something. So I think it'll, it'll add a good a good uh, new factor to things. Good. I've no idea how it works, but I like the sound of it. I think there's a young lad called Salah. Is it? I might invest in
6: his future. My biggest regret of the season, not having Trent Alexander-Arnold as my captain in the game week. He scored 25 points against Leicester.
5: Wrong question, mate.
6: (laughs) The Legacy League is a fantastic idea, although I am going to have to spend the summer rebuilding my algorithm.
4: I've never heard of the Legacy League until it was brought up the other week, and it was something that was really, really interesting, and something that I have given some thought to. I think I would compare a transition from the draft to a Legacy League as like moving from having a girlfriend into a marriage. With the draft, (laughs) it isn't necessarily a long-term commitment, but if we were to create a Legacy League, that would be like getting married, acknowledging that we're locked into this together for the long haul. Some people thrive in that environment and it freaks others out. Be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, that's ch- what cha- Like the chapter halfway through the book?
2: Interestingly, some of those quotes were taken directly from Andy's wedding vows. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> a marriage is a lot like a legacy league.
10: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the most romantic thing i had ever heard.
10: I mean, The idea of having a player and keeping them for a while and all, I don't think that's a good idea, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to fucking put everything in one, all your fucking eggs in one basket with one player, and then you think that's going to be your legacy, whatever, and then they leave, whatever. Does that mean, I don't know. Also, it sounds very complicated. I think I'd like it just to remain kind of the way it goes. You pick a team from the off, you can, Um. I don't, I don't know. It's strange how some players just go to the top and you just stay there, and some people go to the bottom and stay there, and you look at the teams, and there's a real much difference apart from like one player, so. I don't know. I do not know. I don't. Uh, legacy League. I'm not sure. About that. I don't think
5: Phil knows. <laughs> um, Who else have we got here? There's
2: somebody with like a cold as well. Right. So like trying to hold
5: that cough in. Yes, that's dressing room. That's dressing room time, isn't it?
1: I think the Legacy League is a fantastic idea. There's definitely, and here it comes. There's a cerebral thought process to how you're going to pick your players for both this season and the subsequent season after that. So yeah, you need to put a little bit more thought um, into your picks um, and to try and sort of mix and match youth and experience or youth and and, and quality or youth and superstar players. Um, it's brilliant. It's really exciting. I think it, it's good to see the draft spiced up every year and, um, and it's good to see those kind of little innovations being added to it. So, yeah, I'm excited about the Legacy League. I think we should... Me, personally, I'd implement it, like, next season coming up, by straight away. Um, I think we've already been given a taster of it in the last podcast. And um, once we clarify the sort of bits and bobs and what's needed, I think we should go full steam ahead.
7: Okay. And... The Legacy League stuff sounds a bit like a funky idea, but I'd probably kind of compare it to the hundred in cricket. It's got some interesting things, but it's it's not for me Clive. Um i quite like the idea of the draft um, especially on the player side starting with a clean slate. But um that's just my two penneth.
2: Bromley I thought was actually. I'm surprised by that answer from
3: Bromley. I was as well. Uh embarrassingly I don't know what the legacy league is uh, because i haven't listened to the latest podcast um i'd like to say i've been very busy but i've been unemployed and um, i've been listening to audiobooks and not running as much lately so i have not. i don't listen much if i'm not running but i've got a half marathon in a in a couple of weeks so i better start training nice one Ta-da
5: for now. <laughs> Ta-da for now, mate. And then Johnny's longest answer. Oh, save the best for last, unfortunately. We
10: um, legacy.
7: Yeah, sounds quite interesting. Um, but I guess we need to all know the ins and outs. Sounds like a bloody commitment. I uh, you know I've got three kids to think about. Um, but sounds interesting. Uh, potentially could affect people who are not doing it for one year and stuff like that and injured players and might make draft day more boring. But maybe I don't understand it all. OK, bye-bye now then. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: Johnny saved his best to last.
5: Yeah, I feel like it's one of those ones where we'd have to get everyone together, probably, because at the minute, I mean, I'm all for it myself. And I think you're nodding away there as well. But out of if we take us two out of the equation, it's kind of, there's five people, Nick, Dutz, Pete, Andy and Yare seemed up for it. melalou from it, Phil and I, and probably probably Wolf listening to that were not so into it. So it might need to, disc- or Wolf well, just needs to explain. It sounded
2: it. to me like it's... It sounded, I was actually not expecting as positive response from Wolf. I was expecting him to be like, no.
5: Yeah, don't uh, like change.
2: So I was actually quite pleased that he seems to be quite open minded about it. I would say him and Melaloo sounded pretty positive to it. It just obviously a little bit sketchy of the unknown, which I think we all are. I feel very positive about the idea, but I know it's going to take quite a lot of ironing out in terms of us just figuring out what the ins and outs are. So I think once that becomes clearer and you can find some way to make your mental ideas into physical ideas.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll have to ask Yare how that's done. Yeah, But I think if we're able just to get something written down and present it to the drafters and say, right, this is how it's going to work, I feel that, maybe not Phil, because you'll have run out of oxygen and floated off into space by that point, but apart from phil it seemed like there's an opening at the very least with everyone and then yeah. obviously some people are very very much up for it it's an exciting
5: idea i agree more on that when we know more ourselves keep listening and if you've got any ideas or thoughts on the legacy league you can get in touch with us at are you having a draft at gmail.com. you can also find us at having a draft on instagram and twitter There we have it. Another episode of Are You Having a Draft? And as usual, we have got some thank yous. Starting with our musician, Mr. C J. Pandit. C J. Pandit. Check out him on social media at C J. Pandit and on Spotify. There's a couple of tracks on there as well.
2: Hanging out with Marcus tomorrow. Uh, who you're recording with him or something?
5: What are yeah, you doing? yeah, yeah. There's a he's got a new song, and as part of the launch to the song, it's going to be part of an exhibition, and he wants me to do a bit of a voiceover. And they need a backing dancer. They and need the... you. Yeah,
3: are going to be there,
5: being the bears. No, you know how Beyonce has those those dancing twins. I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna do the dance twice, and then they're going to video project me as if I'm the dancing twins. The horror!
2: The horror! <laughs>
5: So, who else are we thanking, Bradley? We also have to thank Kate Bellamy at kate.made.this for the artwork.
4: And we also shall thank Matthew Melaloo, at Matthew Melaloo, for vast amounts of things.
6: Yeah. Also, Marcus, big thank you to Will Coburn, at Will Coburn, which is
5: W-I-L... C-O-B-A-N. Only one L in his Instagram handle. Do you know how I know that, Bradley? I don't know, Marcus. Because you put a very lovely photo up of yourself this week and it was taken by at Will with one L Coburn. And I, yeah. I meant to say, that's it. That's his name. That's the one. And um, Nicely, mate. You might take a nice one of you with a new haircut. <laughs> oh, I will do. Will, I've always liked you, mate. Um, good. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I've always liked that you. Tom? John? John run. Me. Charlie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, wh- <laughs> right, what was the next one? Ah, oh, yes. And as usual, we would like to thank our wonderful friends and hosts over at ACAST. ACAST, you have done it again. Thank you so much. And also a very special... Thank you to the man who this would not have been possible without our outgoing producer, Mr. Zach Brown. Zach, thank you for all your hard work and for the last time, Struth, Galar, Cowabunga. That's not Australian, but we'll throw it in there. (laughs) I'll do. Um, (laughs) Zach's um, Zach's, Zach's workload's picked up massively. Um, and he's been pushing he's big us time now, mate. he's very big time and he's been pushing us up the hill since. well since we started since the very first idea he's been pushing us up the hill we've reached the top of the hill and he's pushed us over and now we're free falling all on our own and he's, and up... he's gone bye <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so there's all our thank yous that's another been a brilliant episode great to hear from all the drafters some voices that don't usually
2: get the opportunity to appear on the podcast and yet this week we got them
5: and just before the Super Bowl we are signing out. Bradley, who's your who are you cheering for? Is the is the question.
2: Uh, I'm not sure if like it's fair that you choose, you know, like a holiday destination like as a team to support yeah. because like Burnley aren't gonna get
5: many fans that way are they? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, exactly. Whereas one of the London clubs might do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So sort of by default we just
2: get fans. Remember like, you know when you sort of like pick your teams from like the European leagues.
5: Yes. Well,
2: I had only ever been to Paris at one point, so I was like, oh I guess I'm a Paris Saint-Germain fan. Now I wouldn't go anywhere near that organisation.
5: Oh because yes, there you go, you said the word, it's not a football club, is it? It's an organisation. It is a franchise. Um here's a thing actually, going back to my haircut, um, bring it back bring it back to me. The guy who <laughs> um the guy who sat me down in my chair, it was a weird thing, so the guy sat me down in my chair, he made sure I was okay, then the barber came over. He's half German. He asked me, he was like, oh, who do you support? Because I said, I was support Leicester. I said, who do you support? Expecting him to say West Ham, Spurs, Chelsea, maybe. Um, yeah. No, he supports the the team that Jurgen Klinsmann has just started managing in Germany. What are they called? I want to say they're like 13th in the Bundesliga. Oh, I can't remember what they're called. But it was like really random. It's, now. it's like a Berliner. Hertz of Berlin? That's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I support Hertz of Berlin. And I was like, Brilliant! I'll I'll keep an eye on them for the rest of the season. See how they're getting on. Never met a, um, m- never met a Hertha yeah. Berliner fan of before. I'm trying to think who my German
2: team would be. Maybe I, do you know what? Maybe I don't have one. It certainly wouldn't be Bayern Munich. Do
5: you know what? I've been to, I went to Germany once when I was in year eight, so I think I was about twelve, and we went to Cologne. So I think Cologne would be my team. Oh, good choice. See, good I think, choice. Yeah, just because again the only place I've been to in Germany.
2: Yeah. Have you got a, an Italian team? You must have an Italian team from, like, uh, Gazzetta, Italia days.
5: You know what? I've not got an Italian team, but I... The place that I want to go to the most, I think, at the minute is Naples. So, like, Napoli, I guess. Yeah. And I like Napoli salami as well. Of course you do. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yours? I have spent a fair whack of time
2: in Rome. I also, at one stage, I think this would have been last season or the season before, had all three of
5: Roma's kits... So I am a Roma fan. Well, I look forward to our big, I was going to say derby. It's not a derby at all. It's just two Italian teams. <laughs> it's just two Italian teams, though, which to us is an Italian derby, but yeah. two Italians. Like, it's, just, not it's, a thing. it's just a football match. <laughs> who, like, you know, who's your Spanish team? I think like, I think like Parma or something. Like, again, because Parma have got a team, haven't they? I'm trying to think it can't be it can't be Barcelona well it can't I'll tell you why it can't be Parma because they're Italian oh no alright What's <laughs> I'm trying to think of places I've been in Spain you know what actually I can't have Real or Barcelona because it's just bonkers isn't it it's horrible it's horrible Sevilla ooh okay yeah. I'd quite, yeah, Sevilla. yeah I'll go for that I'll go for Sevilla what about you well I feel I have to go
2: for Valencia they play in their red and yellow with blue
5: shorts away strip <laughs> purely such a kid i like i support arsenal because i love the kit not you but like there's a mate of mine at school <laughs> there's a mate of mine at school who supported arsenal i'm pretty sure he supported them because of that yellow and blue kit with the arrows on oh he's a sweet kid yeah yeah i'm pretty sure he's a sweet them. kid i've got a picture of it at home that Pete sent me for
2: christmas <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: And that leaves us with France, I guess. France. I am partial
2: to, again, this is a romanticism, but a bit of Chrissy Waddle, Marseille in the early 90s.
5: I was going to have Marseille.
2: Some kit as well.
5: I was going to have Marseille, actually, as I well. I've been to
2: Marseille. Yeah. And I don't really have a reason to support anybody else, I think.
5: Are Monaco technically a, Fran- a French team? They are indeed. Because you've We're gone for. Because you've gone for Marseille, I'll go for Monaco. So, which is very apt for our uh, post-EU Brexit um, episode. We've got some European teams to follow there, Bradley. <laughs> Does that sound like a desperate attempt for us to try and <laughs> uh, make connections as we're uh, yeah. out the door? Anyway, Bradley, it's been an absolute joy again phoning in, and it's been great from hearing from all the lads. Anything you want to say before we sign off?
2: I hope you have a lovely time till we meet again. That's not just to
5: you, Marcus. I suppose that's to everybody. I'm extending your sentiments to yourself. And to everyone else. (laughs) Until next time, Drop Safe, Baby
4: West Ham
9: and Draft till I die.